Welcome again to another episode of Millennials with Mikes. I'm your co-host Aaron Mason. And I'm your co-host Christian Stevens. And today's episode, just like to throw out a little special mention, was suggested to us by Lauren. Mm. So thank you, Lauren, for the topic suggestion. Oh, for today's topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we didn't even uh, originally think of this until, yes, his girlfriend thought of it. So that was kind of cool. So today we're going to go over some of our favorite, and this was hard to do. Because like, there's so many. Oh, it's I know. Hard to, it's so hard to narrow down. Anytime we have to make like <laughs> a five point list for anything, it's like. It's so hard because there's so many options. It's only a fourth of what we would have. Yeah. We could make a a Zack Snyder cuts length worth of <laughs> uh, mentions here. But so. today we're talking about our favorite um, movies and TV shows from childhood. Yes. So. A little bit about. Our personal growing ups and yeah, what we love and and like you that. know we'll. This is some things that depending on how old you are, dear listener. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that you're surely to have seen, some of the things you might not have. At least I've heard of. Um, but we'll go into what each of these are, who some of who's in them, the plot, right, why they're right. important to us personally. <laughs> Um, and helps, I guess, for where we are today, doing a podcast, but being like cinephiles and lovers of film and art, that's uh, some of the things that's been a contributing factor Yeah. to Cause it's, our love. Yeah, because yeah, both of us growing up, you know, we always had, I know my parents, it was originally our living room where our TV was in the living room and had these two drawers below it that were just chock full of uh, originally VHSs and then those transitioned to DVDs, which transitioned into some Blu-rays. But, I mean, even when it was VHSs, there were probably, I don't know, 100, 150 in there. Absolutely. And then when it was transferred to DVDs, there was probably easily 500. There still are. And yeah. then now it's just a mixture of Blu-rays and DVDs, and there's probably around 500 or so in there. Yeah. And that's just that. It's those movies that... Mm-hmm. Same for you with the... Because I know your oh. parents still have the... Just like mine, they still have the chest of movies. And it's those movies they growing just, up that made us yeah. love movies like we do today. Yeah. Yeah. They had that wall of VHSs. Then they gave it to uh, my sister who, because they have a younger two-year-old boy. Oh, yeah. He can grow up with those Disney mm-hmm. VHSs. And they have, like, you know those VHSs of Disney, Disney are... I know. We looked into that. Trust me. Worth. Gee, were these, some of them were worth like big bucks. Remember when, because I have the original Harry Potter, and so we were trying to see how much those were Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. But no, yeah, I remember because I remember when I was a kid and like before we get into this, I remember one Easter, my parents got me like, you know, the Easter basket of gifts you get as a kid. And one was a the VHS set of the three Indiana Joneses. Oh, yeah. And then I remember mm-hmm. growing up with those. Yeah. And then I converted those into DVDs. Mm-hmm. 
still had the VHS, still had the DVDs. <laughs> and then later on, and especially after the fourth one came out, got the Blu-ray set. And that had like yeah. these three sets of generation of <laughs> films that's yeah. been around. Same with, uh, actually, it's going to be a mention later, Sleepy Hollow. Oh, yeah. But that's been <laughs> upgraded through and, my You know, childhood. one of those things with us was uh, Star Wars. Absolutely. You know, my dad has, yeah. still has, oh, yeah. the original, mm-hmm. n- no George Lucas special effects fucking with. No edited just, cuts. The original cut, That's Star crazy. Wars three pack VHS. Still yeah. has them. Still That's in perfect condition. Worth, who knows how much. And, you know, we watched those. And then yeah. I remember whenever... Uh, episode one, two, and three, Phantom Menace, and all those came out. They did the first round of cuts to what's now four, five, and six, and we had those VHSs. And then we had one Phantom Menace and Clone Wars, and we had those on VHS, which then got upgraded to DVD, which got upgraded right. to Blu-ray, and so. And we, you know, as millennials, uh, we well older millennials, but we've uh. We've gotten to grow up and appreciate, mm-hmm. you know, just the Game Boy black and white before we got the Game Boy Color. Yeah. And like the the saga of PlayStations, Game Boys, TVs, mm-hmm. and phones. Yeah. Like technology in general. Like, And it's funny. We've been through. We've been through all, all of, of it. A lot of technology. Like there's some yeah. technology that we missed. Sure. But obviously. But like, I mean, we remember, I would say probably it's safe to say people born pre-95 right remember vhs's mm-hmm. remember cassette tapes yeah. for music um and those simple... are coming back cassette tapes really um how the hell did anybody gonna play them people said that about vinyls too you know it's funny because the the victrola oh, record player right. some of the record comes with a cassette them, yeah. side and uh pretty reckless and marilyn manson their most recent albums mm-hmm. and singles and stuff are dropping on their merchandise shops with cassette tapes. Oh my god! So yeah, not just vinyls. Cassette like, tapes are coming back. I gotta say, like, is that crazy? As, as crazy as it is, like, kind of cool. Something about rock albums in particular and nostalgia. With yeah, like those heavy metal, any kind of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. There's something about having a rock and roll on cassette that's just ooh. You know, you have go have your old Queen, ZZ Top. You yeah. Know, uh, Rolling Stones, ACDC, those old cassette tapes. Like, there's something about it. They're only good a just, few times, but yeah, yeah, but, but so cool. I don't know. It. I didn't know the cassettes were coming back. Though. Cassettes That's are coming crazy. back. Maybe not in the the wide spectrum, like yeah, with popular pop artists. But when with my music team, like mm. the guys I like, they are coming like rock and roll. World. That's interesting. It's coming back. Yeah, metal. It's. I like that. That was like. Yeah. You know, and we don't expect it to be like coming, like oh, it's going to take over again. But like, like vinyls are. It's yeah. the fact that we still respect and remember, yeah. and still kind of contribute to the old mm-hmm. things. And same with CDs, even and vinyls. It's like may not listen to it as much, but and the fact that we're still making them. It's yeah, cool. and it's interesting the vinyl comeback because I don't think anyone thought that vinyls were going to come back like they have. As huge as they have. Yeah, because like, I mean, we were at Target today looking at vinyls. And honestly, I'm they have... Barnes & Noble. Oh, Barnes & Noble is ridiculous. It's like but 50%. Like, even, even such a mainstream store as Target. 
they don't have the selection of vinyls that they do of CDs, sure. but the quantity of the number of vinyls they have is more than what they have of CDs. Yeah. They only have one or two albums per CD per artist. Right. But for the vinyls, and like they go through a regular vinyl rotation. They do. Like, it's not like that. they're sitting there forever. They got the latest ACDC we just mm-hmm. saw at Target. Like, yeah. I think I got to look at that album, but yeah. But no, it's it's insane. And no one, I, I don't think anyone thought that vinyls were going to explode again. Because at first, it was one of those things that like. People still are surprised that like, most mm-hmm. like us are like, have. Yeah. Are getting reg are like and, my are my parents don't even have yeah. I know your parents do but my parents don't even have a, a record player yeah they still listen to CDs and stuff yeah and I'm over here without the CDs and like I got the vinyl collection and kind of like irony mm-hmm. in a way and you know vinyls they started coming back I, I don't know how long ago it was but it was kind of like you were saying about cassette tapes yeah you know you had two or three artists here and there and it was pop artists who mm-hmm. were doing it but yeah two or three artists here and there Lady Gaga and a few others. Mm. Who would do, oh, we're going to release it on vinyl in addition to the CD. And then now, sure. everyone is releasing on vinyl. If there's there, a new album out, it's going to be released on vinyl. And you might not be able to find it everywhere. You might have to get it online, but that's chances are. funny you say that because when Miley Cyrus launched her new album, Plastic Hearts, mm-hmm. on all like stores and stuff, it was released in different digital and CDs. And nowhere would it say LP vinyl. I'm like, really? That's kind of odd. And there's a specific, I think, Miley Shop store where it's like, there you can get Mm -hmm. the vinyl. So, yes, may not be available everywhere, but you can find some sort of platform of that music somewhere on some certain site. Especially with Marilyn Manson, you know, like his store has got a plethora of things that Target and all of them won't have. So, You know, thinking of CDs, I just so happen to know the last CD I bought for myself. I don't. So, and uh, the reason I know it is because this CD is very much the reason why I stopped buying CDs. Okay, that's fair. Aerosmith's "Music from Another Dimension" came out November sixth, two thousand twelve. Was that the one we watched as kids? We uh, it had the 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 live music videos. It might have. That's the cover for it. Yeah, it it uh, love Aerosmith. What love year was that? Two thousand twelve. Like it came out two thousand twelve. Okay. Um, Isn't JD appear in one of the? Co- we watched at your place, right? The concert, you know, the Aerosmith. Yeah, that it. was a special thing. But yeah, was it part of the same album though? I oh, think so. okay. I think it was a special okay, single. Okay, okay. I'm thinking it's a Muslim. Um, but I love Aerosmith, love them to death, and especially their older stuff. You know, the seventies oh, and eighties stuff. Some of the nineties stuff too, because uh, like Jaded and some songs like that oh, came yeah, out in the nineties. Yeah. Um, but that album was so bad. And like they even the people at Aerosmith, like Joe Tyler or Joe Perry and they, Steven Tyler, they, all, they said like, you know, this album, this album particularly it's a, are just it's a studio money grab album. And that was very purposely the last C D I bought for myself. Like I bought CDs for my mom and shit like that for like I bought one sure. today. Yeah. For but um <laughs> that was the last one I bought for myself because I was just like and we no. were also getting to the point of iPhones, I, iPods, and yeah. iPads, and all that kind of stuff. And music streaming was yeah, like that was before the right streaming before. subscriptions were a thing. But you could still buy them on yeah. You could listen to go to YouTube and listen to clips and things like that. So there's no reason to buy CDs anymore. 
was my opinion. Really? Yeah. Especially if the songs were gonna or if the album was gonna suck like that did, you know. That's one thing I like about the Apple music and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like you can kinda like proof listen yeah. to the album before you're and then you have people like me who's already pre ordered like the next pretty reckless. I don't care. It's like I'm it like, can suck. I'm still getting the vinyl. <laughs> oh my God. I love, I love Apple Music, and what you know, whether you're subscribing to Apple Music or Spotify Pro or whatever. But it comes in handy when it comes to things like that. Like, I've had Apple Music for years. Yeah, I know. like since I think since the year it came out, I've subscribed, and like I haven't actually paid for an album. Like I've paid for vinyls and stuff like that, but I haven't paid for a new album before listening to it because you get the in subscription ten years. Yeah, yeah. I'm contemplating. I don't even know if I'm going to delete mine because it's like, I'm really enjoying the. I feel like I'm getting more out of it than mm-hmm. what you actually what you thought. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, maybe. And especially with Pretty Reckless, this next album coming out, even though I got an LP final coming. So <laughs> we'll see. But no, I love it. I mean, listen to everything, mm-hmm. you know? It's like. It's pretty cool. It is awesome. It's just. You know, they say technology is getting big and heavy and stuff like Yeah, but in a lot of ways. It's just bringing a lot of delightness mm-hmm. to the world too. If it's it's all in how film it's used. and music and how it's used, mm-hmm. but like I use it for art and yeah. audiobooks and music and like, mm-hmm. and you get a sense of pleasure out of these things. And Definitely, like, thank goodness for it. But then you can look at it in the bad side, of course. But that's a different topic altogether. Yeah. But no, I mean, not trying to sidetrack. We didn't even get to our topic yet. Yeah, we've been going for about 15 minutes now. Nostalgia (laughs) and just everything in general. Yeah, for real. Kind of a blast in the past. But so, nostalgia, let's go ahead and jump in. I'll kick us off. Okay. Um, So, my first movie, very nostalgic for me. As soon as I found, as soon as this came out on Blu ray, I bought it. Still have And before you mention it, this movie gave me night terrors. Really? Now, continue, Aaron. <laughs> um, James and the Giant Peach. Yes. Scary. Love, love, love. What part gave you night terrors? I love that movie, too. God, the fucking ants, dude. The ants? The, the ants, the aunties. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end? Yeah. When they get to New York? Yeah, those guys. They're kind of scared. Scared? The Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> oh, what's that actress, the one we saw in Wolf of Wall Street? Oh, um, Joanna Lumley. Oh, terrified me. Terrified me. And the idea of eating a worm from a peach mm-hmm. <laughs> was very disturbing. And you but know, no, you yeah. got a Mary Margulies as the yeah. other aunt who, Harry Potter, things like that. Oh, and funnily enough, great. David Thewlis is also a voice character in that. Yeah, before he was a thing. Yeah, I really like that. the The voice cast from that movie was really um, odd, random, really odd, really something. Simon Callow, Richard Dreyfuss, Susan Sarandon, yeah. uh, David Thewlis, Mary Margulies was also a voice. Okay. Um, came out in '96, so we were two and a half when it came out. Um. I'm sure that's one of those things that I got. They either took me to see it when I was little or got it for me on VHS because I've literally had that movie for my entire life. I remember having it on VHS. I don't know if I saw it as a kid. And like that two and a half, that's too young to remember. Exactly. But <laughs> always loved that movie. Um, based on the Roald Dahl book, of mm. course. Um, have the book, read the book, love the book. 
the movie's a bit different, kind of like Willy Wonka. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Produced by Tim Burton. You know, uh, Jack it, Skellington makes a cameo. So was it the same director it. of the Nightmare for Christmas? It was Henry Selick. Yes. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I thought so. But um, they were a good dynamic team back in the yeah early nineties. But no, it's good. The music's good by Randy Newman as well, who I think did the Randy Newman. He's mm-hmm. a great. He's a great uh, composer. Not quite as a cult classic he like nightmare before christmas is but still definitely has its place but to say it's not as heavily loved as it should be but it's definitely like for our age especially Mm -hmm. like that that goes in like oh remember james and giant peach type of thing like that's a that's an iconic especially because it was um live action and animated Mm -hmm. wasn't just if you know yeah very unusual that doesn't didn't and doesn't happen a lot no um and i kind of reassure and this is complete semi off topic but it kind of reassures me with today's um movies is like 2021 they're doing the new tom and jerry which is an animated live action oh yeah and it's kind of cool because it's nice to see that quirky like looney tune style Mm -hmm. movie still is happening it's very different though yes yes it's very different in the way they're doing it, though. Sure. Because, like, that movie, it's going to be animated, CGI, whatever, oh, on top of live action. As for James and John Peach, it's well, yeah, different live yeah, action, I, I entirely live action. Claymation. The good bulk of it is uh, CGI claymation, yeah. Yeah. And then the end, 10, 15 minutes, the movie's only like an hour long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But the end, like, 10 minutes or so is then live action. Yeah. So, yeah, it's different in the way they're doing it, but yes. But. And they're bringing those. Bringing that. Slapstick. However the animation is, it's like. Yeah. Parallel. Yeah. I like that that's still a thing today. So, that'd be good. That, um, Jim Jim Peach, very nostalgic movie. I remember watching that with my grandmother a lot when I would stay with her. And. Yeah. With my parents. So, that's, that's definitely one of the big ones. What's first on your list? Um, I didn't even coincidentally think about our first two <laughs> being aligned in this way, but uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, also based off a rolled doll book. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of funny. Which I've uh, at this year I've read the read the books and uh, love the movie with Gene Wilder growing up, even the Johnny Depp one, and uh, love big fan of Willy Wonka's and um. But yeah, that's one of the biggest ones. I mean, first thing I've probably seen Gene Wilder in besides mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles and uh, other things. Definitely the first. I think that's the first thing a lot of people born after the 80s have seen him. One of in. his most popular. Yeah. I And like the beginning of the meme, mm-hmm. you know, started with him. His guy, that character, <laughs> I mean. And people may not know that now, but it's true. But um, yeah, Willy Wonka, man, dude, that movie is so magical with the mm-hmm. music and uh, Gene Wilder's performance and God, the chocolate r- running fountain and all the fucking delicious looking, which is probably just actually like clay candy with the with the dwarfs and the orange oh, yeah. and all that stuff. It was something, especially mm-hmm. as a kid, you're like, God damn. Yeah. And those Oompa Loompa Doopa Doo. I mean, educational too, and like mm-hmm. very profound. Like parents don't want to acknowledge, like, oh shit, that's got some D 
deep yeah. meaning to it, but <laughs> it does. And we just recently watched that again, mm-hmm. not too long ago. Yeah. But um, it's so good. I mean, such a classic. The songs in it are amazing. Um, yeah. And as a kid, of course, who wouldn't want to go somewhere that everything is candy? You know. Yeah. Um, you had Mike TV who doesn't like chocolate, but he won the golden ticket anyways, <laughs> and all that kind of crap. Oh, but, but like, what's uh, not? Was it Veruca Salt? Which one turned into the blueberry? Um, it was. My daughter's a blueberry. blueberry no, that that was a, no Veruca is the British girl who was Violet Beauregard. Yeah, there you go. Was the blueberry? <laughs> yes, Veruca Salt went down the Golden Goose. Mm-hmm. Both her and her dad. <laughs> yeah, of course. The only dad to get, uh, or the only parent to get booted, booted. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yes. Oh, but the original Blueberry sequence, I was like, oh, damn, that's cr- that's classic stuff. It's such a good movie. It's yes. such an enjoyable movie. It really is. And even to this day, it's such a fun thing to pop in. Yeah. And Gene Wilder was just absolutely brilliant in that. I read his um, biography. Yeah. Very good. Very interesting. That's something I need to read that you have of his. And he, uh, he talked about that. And I, I had read it before that part of the, for some, for whatever reason, he said that the only way he would do the movie is if he could do the little somersault or whatever in the very beginning. Oh, when right. Comes when he gets up to the gate. Yeah, because for whatever, I think he was practicing, like he'd been practicing doing that or something like that, but he got that stuck in his head and he said, the only way I'll do it is if I can do that. And they were like, okay. Whatever floats your boat, Gene. Yeah. But no, absolutely phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those like that's like several others on this list. That's a childhood movie for people of not just millennials. Oh, absolutely. for people of you know the generation before millennials, generation after. That's I I would hope the generation after. Um. Oh, in some former aspects, I think. Uh, I mean, this could change with today's standards, but. Taika Waititi is working on a Netflix project for Willy Wonka. That'll be interesting. I think it's an animated, hmm. which I think is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Re-adaptation of yeah. probably in a series. I don't know if it's a film or a series. That would be interesting. But since he kind of played with Wonka a little bit and Thor Ragnarok, I think that mm-hmm. would be appropriate. Hmm. But yeah. So, like, the, the lore of Wonka will always... Mm-hmm. And that's what they say about, you know, boomers talking about, oh, it's another <laughs> reboot or remake. It was like, yeah, well, the thing is, and Animaniacs made a good point. Mm-hmm. We're keeping the classics alive mm-hmm. within every generation. And, like, something and I And that's like, kind of important. Yeah. Something I like to point out about all the reboots and remakes and things like that is look at things like Murder on the Orient Express. How many times over the last hundred years, well before this movie, like cut out the most recent movie that came out. Yeah. Look at how many adaptions of that there were. Tell me it's different now. Look at that and tell me, look at however many things out okay. there yeah, I see your point. that from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah. and 70s had been made 10 times, 20 times. Look me in the face and tell me it's different. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. You know what my grandpa cried about? Because he and I, I'm more like my grandpa than I think. Mm -hmm. But um, we both love Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie novels and things like that. Mm -hmm. We're both big readers. But we talk about these things and he's like, 
oh man the new i bring up the marlin express the new one They're like oh i don't like the, the mustache i was like what's wrong with the mustache it's not like the echo pro mustache from the original da, 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 da. i was like yeah but that wasn't authentic to the book based though. <laughs> on agatha christie's novel mm-hmm. the mustache is so obscene and so grotesque and big and yeah like theatrical that those it ones from the 60s and 70s the mustache was so small like it was a normal mustache yeah compared <laughs> but like Hercule Poirot, like Kenneth Branagh's today, mm-hmm. is paying more tribute to what yeah. Agatha Christie's dramatic text of mm-hmm. that mustache was. So it's like this is funny because it's like here's my grandpa who grew up with his ver- his old uh, mm-hmm. version of it, and then here's me with mine updated. It's like, <laughs> but it's not all that different. It's, no, not different at all as far as stories and characters and stuff like that. Like but it's definitely. But it's that, well, that's that's the thing. Like. Well, the mustache. Like, that's what you have to go to yeah. to pick the difference. <laughs> Which is not a difference at all. No. Like, okay. And, like, it's... I get that remakes and reboots are a trend right now. But at the same... The Have point been. is, it has been a trend for the last few years. But it's always been a trend. There's always a new adaption of something. And Hollywood will always continue to have reboots, remakes, sequels, and also original. Mm-hmm. Granted, original more likely now is more indie. But still happens. And I was telling Edward about this. It's like, he says, well, nothing in Hollywood's producing is original. And I'm like, um, literally, like two-fourths of everything that's coming out is actually original. It's the fact that you don't see it in theaters or you don't hear about it mm-hmm. on your commercials. <laughs> Me and Aaron do. Yeah, you only get movies. limited uh, limited movie commercials on Fox News. You know, <laughs> like You'll hear about... Fast Five and whatever else, but um, so that's like, yeah, you really don't understand how many original projects actually do come out. Yeah, and that's, I know I'm sidelining, I'm sidetracking, but um, anyways, back to the point of, yes, movies, you know, it's no different now with remakes than yeah. it ever has been. It's just and Willy Wonka will be the same. Yeah, and that I'm same if, thing. If Taika Waititi does do an adaption, I'm very much going to It'll watch be fantastic. Because it's going to be good. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. But. So, anyways, what is next on your list, Aaron? Let's see. Second on my list is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Like the first original animated Batman movie I ever think I saw mm-hmm. as a kid. That also gave me night terrors. <laughs> yeah. You have a theme with oh, your films. Oh, God. Yeah. Scary. Scary movie. Um, I loved, love, love, love. Like I, I will not make any bones with anybody about the fact that I am not a Marvel fan. Like there are some enjoyable movies in the MCU. I but don't know why we have to. We have to. Anytime soon. Marvel Superman. versus DC, it. Because just, just promote your Batman, and that's enough dude, of a case. I'm going into it. Oh, why you have to bring up Marvel? Because I have to. No, you. Um, but you know, growing up. I was very much not anything purposeful. It's just how it was. Batman, Superman, a little Spider-Man, X-Men. So it was 50, okay, because those were the superheroes that I watched. Justice League 2, but that's Batman and Superman. Yeah. Um, so it was 50-50, I guess, Marvel and DC. But Batman took up 90% of my time from ages mm. like 3 to nine yeah 
And the animated series, Batman the Animated Series, which was on from... It was on a couple different times, actually, but... um, 92 to 95 was the original run, and then 97 to 99 for the follow-up series. Um, And then you had Mask of the Phantasm, which came out in 93, so... Oh, Christmas Eve 93, so the year we were born. Hmm. Um, Just a few days before my birth. No, that, wait, of 93? 93. Not 92. That <laughs> no, was almost a Never year Never mind. After. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> but, um, you know, both the animated series and Mask of the Phantasm, the movie, again, the movie, it's only 76 minutes long. Um,. Both very good. You know, it was a, it was originally possibly going to be an in-person or a live action, I guess, version, but they didn't want to be limited budget wise or even physically wise to what they wanted Batman to be. They wanted to be true to the comics. Absolutely. And so they thought the best way to do that was to do animated. That being said, it wasn't originally, especially the original series, the 92 to 95 run wasn't originally intended as much for kids yes it was it was as geared towards adults as it was Mm. kids because it was very dramatic of course and mass of the phantasm it you know very dark um kind of violent it was (laughs) um it, but it's very good, and it has a phenomenal God, voice cast. I tell too. you, God, the parking lot mm. when he's first introduced in the very beginning, yeah. Woo! Did I get nightmares? Yeah, damn. Because you had the phantasm and the smoke or the fog and the everything fog and the and mask and jumping. And... I was like, oh God! Your angel of death awaits. And yet, these are the films we're talking about today. Yeah. So, as much as I was scarred, it was for a reason. And like it's funny, like it's sad too because like I could tell you the name of the character that the phantasm is trying to kill in the parking garage. Like it's well, I mean, we, I don't remember we were uh, binging our little for the Batman episode oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah our Batmanathon. <laughs> God, God, I think God bless HBO Max because oh, I mean we get to watch all the. <laughs> The good and the bad Batman movies. But, like, listen to the voice cast from Mask of the Phantasm. Of course, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. Dana Delaney, uh, Stacey Keach, Abe Vigoda, uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Bob Hastings, Robert Costanzo. Such a good cast list. That's right, audience. We don't... I don't know who that is either. Oh, some of the older people will know. If you're one of our... Older listeners who Mark Hamill. Besides Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill who blow up Twitter, yes. Abe Vigoda? Tessio and the Godfather? Sorry, Aaron. Oh my god. Classic. Besides the Phantasm, what did <laughs> they do? A lot. Anyway, love Master Phantasm. Have been on Blue. I have the whole Batman animated series box. Oh, I remember. Blue, right? <laughs> I remember you bought that. Um <laughs> But no, what's uh, what's your second? <laughs> uh, my second would probably be the earliest thing I've seen um, horror-wise was Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow, mm-hmm. which was, I remember 
uh, I don't know if it was on our podcast or just in general, I mentioned that my grandparents had this movie on VHS. And uh, days I would spend the day at my grandparents. They let me just browse the VHS closet. Didn't even care <laughs> what I was picking out. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it'd be Barney. Yeah. But then and it'd be things like this. Then it'd be things like <laughs> Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and I pop it in and mind my own business. And there you go. Watching an R-rated movie at four or five years old. Oh, who, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I know. And so that caused a lot of trauma and uh, scarring as a kid. But I loved the movie. That's all I remembered. I was like, it was so good. I love the acting. That's the first thing I ever saw Johnny Depp in. And uh, I was like, damn, this is quite a picture. And every time I go over, I was just like, kept popping in that sleep yellow. And I never got, I was like, no one ever fucking knew I was watching that. Because I got away with it. And uh, my grandparents, they just kept it in there. Here I go, I'm popping in. And they leave me alone. They don't know I'm watching a fucking R-rated movie. Oh, and Deep Blue Sea and things like that. But, um... Yeah, Sleepy Hollow. And so I loved that movie. And I remember when I, <laughs> I stole the v- their VHS and I took it home. <laughs> and I just kept it for myself. Is it still at your parents? Probably. <laughs> but, um, and then I remember when it was adapted to DVD. Mm-hmm. And we were older and I got it on DVD. I was like, ah, oh, cool. <laughs> and <laughs> it became Blu-ray. That's I was like. Funny. Yep, now I have a Blu-ray and DVD disc. Mm-hmm. No, actually, I have the DVD disc. Yeah. With my Blu-ray. Yeah. Because I remember I bought a two-disc case Blu-ray cases. thing. Yeah. So, but the VHS might still be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet it is. But. That's funny. So that's one of the ones that's like, through my childhood up to now, it's like, yes. I keep updating the, the Sleepy Hollow. Love the Sleepy Hollow. Um, And it's a... I, I'm not just a huge fan of it, but it, it's a good movie. Christopher it's got Walken. A good cast. God, he disturbs you. Christina Ritchie, uh, Miranda Richardson, Michael Gambon. Yeah, I know. Dan- music by Danny Elfman. Like it's, it's hard to go wrong with all that. I know. It's And it was his first rated R picture. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. It had the most blood and grotesque and beheading and all. I was like, oh, damn, this is a crazy movie. That's interesting. I'm only four. What am I doing? <laughs> but you know, it's uh, funny. I think the... The thing that always sticks out in my mind is like seeing movies when you're too young. Yeah, exactly. I saw Braveheart by myself when I was like six. Yeah, that's intense. <laughs> no one should be watching. Like that. that's and then I fucking watched Deliverance with my mom when I was like nine. Like your mom just didn't know better. <laughs> I know twenty year olds who don't need to watch Deliverance, much less nine year olds. <laughs> Like, god damn, like some movies like there should be like a forty five year old age limit on it. <laughs> For real. But well, we're gonna take a quick break and uh we'll be back shortly to go over the rest of our lists.
Alrighty, so continuing some favorite things from our childhood. I will go next with what is left to my list? Oh, Highlander. Highlander. This could very easily be the movie or the TV show. Because like I remember watching the TV show, like the TV show ended like in ninety-eight or ninety-nine. I remember very vividly watching the TV show with my parents when I was little. Mm-hmm. When it was like in new episodes. Mm-hmm. Um and then later on, when I was like ten or so, I would say, ten, twelve, that's when I saw the movie. But after I saw the movie, I was fucking obsessed with the movies. All the movies. Mm-hmm. At one point in time, I had all the VHSs and then all the DVDs of all the Highlander movies. Even Jesus. the bad ones. <laughs> um, but, you know, talk about the movie. The original movie that started it all with uh, Christopher Lambert and Sean Connery. Several other people. Uh, Clancy Brown, voice of Mr. Krabs was the Kurgan, the the main villain. Um, stupid movie is all shit. <laughs> right? Like, the storyline in the whole movie is just, it's ridiculous. It's so fucking good, though. <laughs> the movies and the TV show is so entertaining. It really, really is. The second movie is shit. I still never watched it. <sighs> you watched the first one, I thought. I don't recall. We need to watch the first one, then. Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> I always just accept that you like you're a big Highlander fan, but I don't know. I really, I fucking love it. Um, the first one's good. The second one is shit. The third one's good. The fourth one's all right. The fifth one. The fifth one was direct to Sci-Fi Channel, like it was a Sci-Fi. I remember channel. that. It was so bad. Like it was, it made the second one look like an Oscar-worthy movie. It really did. Um, So, no, the Highlanders, love them all, um, even the bad ones. They're still pretty entertaining. And it's it's another one of those things, like, I feel like Highlander was one of the first movies, the series, at least. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Highlander movie series, not mm-hmm. the TV series, the Highlander movie series, was one of the first ones that had multiple cuts. Oh, okay. Because the second movie started off because it was just terrible. This is one of one of those classic scenarios. Studio stepped in, stopped, you know, right, ed- controlled the editing process, blah blah blah. I getcha. So then there was a director's cut, and later there was like an ultimate cut and shit like that. It's funny when the studio steps in, and yet they're making profit off of these cuts too mm-hmm. that end up being happening because it's like because you had to step in. Yeah. It's like, oh, we fucked it up the first time. Then we make a profit from what we didn't fuck up. <laughs> We are smart. Anyways. But no, like, so it started off with the second one because it was so bad. There were multiple edits to it. And then they did it to the first. They put a director's cut on the first one. And then the third one had like some sort of director's cut, which was like two bonus scenes and that's it. Highlander Endgame, the fourth one, had a bonus cut or a director's cut or an ultimate cut or some kind of cut. And then the fifth one, I think it, I don't think it actually had a different cut because it barely made it to DVD after it was released. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things. It kind of, I feel like that was one of the first ones that really started the whole multiple cut thing. Oh yeah. Interesting. But so what's next on your list? Um, yeah, baby. 
Oh, God. Austin Powers. <laughs> um, geez, Are they I think making a fourth one? Never, Aaron. I'll That's... hold you to that. Oh, yeah. Hold <laughs> me to that, please. Because uh, they've been talking about a fourth one for over 20 years. And Has it really been that long since the third one came out? Oh, it's been longer than that since the third one. But um, mentioning, like, talking about doing a fourth one uh, has been since, yeah. Yeah. Wow, 2002, gold member. 2002, yeah. Jesus Christ. So, License to Shag was, like, a fan hope for mm. a title, which I think is a cool title. Okay. For okay. a Austin Powers 4, it's never going to happen. Uh, Mike Myers doesn't really care much for doing anything now. He's got that Shrek money and yeah. Austin Powers money on top of that. That's true. And I mean, he'll do a couple things. Like he appeared in Bohemian Rhapsody and things like mm-hmm. that. But no, like that's never gonna happen. It's been a pipe dream for years. Because there's no reason to really like it. It. The third one, in my opinion, was the best one. The story like, arc it, was, it completed with Doctor Evil and Austin Powers ended. What are you gonna do with Goldberg? Yeah, are you gonna bring back the uh, rise of fat bastard? And no, um, the sun. Oh, yeah, but Seth that's Green. never gonna happen. Yeah, so there's possibilities. Like there's potential storylines. I would do, love but... if they did one like ten years ago. Like, yeah, at least like. But I mean, oh, a fourth. But now it's like, who really wants? Yeah, it's been almost twenty years. Two thousand two is when Goldmember yeah, came out. Exactly. So it's it's so... been a hot minute. And I feel like they kind of missed the mark. If they they were missed the to. mark if they were going to do a re- I I agree. But, but um, Austin Powers was a fun trilogy. Um, great theme song. Mike Myers' best performance before he did his animation of Shrek. And, uh, I mean, yeah, had a brilliant cast throughout. And uh, it was very, very, very fun spoof parody to 007. And that's one of the one of the few uh, spy genres I grew up with um, during the Pierce Brosnan 007s. But uh, I really enjoyed Austin Powers growing up. Yeah, baby. I had to say that again. So I have a gold member trivia, and I think I've told you this before. Have you? Maybe. So my mom's best friend, one of her Linda. best friends growing up. No, growing up. Years, years, okay, years. Okay, okay. When she was like in middle school and high school. Okay. Um, he was the skating double for Austin Powers in Goldmember. I think you did tell me that. Mm-hmm. He makes like he lives in San Diego now. Him and his husband. Um, he makes like eight dollars a year off of royalties from it. Oh wow! Something like that. Like yeah, but he's got nine to be page and everything. Uh, but yeah, skating double for Austin Powers. So that much closer to royal or fame, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone my mom knew 40 years ago. <laughs> Eight dollars a year. Yeah. So, like I'm pulling that out of my ass, but like he posted a check, a copy of the check. Who was the other one? on John Cleese, I think, posted a royalty check from uh, Monty Python. It oh, was God. like something since. <laughs> like it was just like... Jesus. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> of course, a lot of those, it's hard to get good... Uh, I know. Good royalty in your contract until you're like one of the big stars. Like RDJ or something. 
Yeah. Like, cause I mean, one of the, and I will get into this later, but like one of the TV shows we'll talk about later, one of the, it was an ensemble TV show and they were all mostly pretty much a bunch of nobodies except for, well, it was 50 between nobodies and everything. But, um, one of the stars in it had it put in her contract. She was a nobody. She had it put in her contract that she wanted, you know, X percent of royalties. And mm-hmm. they were like, that'll never happen. So the studio executives approved it because they didn't think it would ever happen. But and it like, She ended up making more per year than all of her other cast members combined did in their lifetimes <laughs> from royalties over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That guy, that's exactly how kind of Robert Downey Jr. played the Marvel, the MCU, with all his contracts. He signed a sort of percentage deal that yeah. none of the other cast members did. And he's made triple what they would have made. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you got to be smart with... Uh, you can do it, do it. You got to know what your worth is. Yeah. And you got to know what you're gambling. Take advantage of the, the, situation. the moment. Because, yeah. you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, he knows that you got to pay for your 100-acre L.A farm zoo uh, <laughs> yeah. somehow and when you're not the hot ticket in hollywood anymore that's it's those residuals that keep paying for that exactly so. mm-hmm. but my next one is another older one i'm kind of like uh willy wonka it's older than that even but um chitty chitty bang bang with uh dick van dyke chitty chitty bang bang chitty bang 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 we love you oh my goodness love that movie um, great stuff it's another one of those that we had it on uh, actually, no, I don't think we did have it on VHS. We got it on DVD when I was like, eight, I had it on VHS, mm-hmm. and it's long enough. It was long enough back then that like there's a little intermission in the middle of it and everything. Okay. Oh my god, um, it's a cute movie. It's it it's is. based off of a book. Um, I don't yeah. remember who. Oh, it's an Ian Fleming book. That's right, the Bond is it? creator. Yeah, okay, the Bond writer. Um, good movie, fun movie. It good, is catchy. The I know. Ridiculously annoying and catchy. Annoyingly catchy. That's what I meant. Um, You know, who doesn't love a good Dick Van Dyke? You know, that's back when he was in the midst of all of his alcoholism and things like that. Good for him. He was funnier than ever. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But but no, it was Chasing Memories. Fantastic. Yeah. One of those classic movies. It it was a musical, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the first musicals I watched is along with uh, Sound of Music. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That almost got put in this place. Yeah, I almost thought of that one myself, to be honest. Uh, but both really good. But uh, Chi Ching Bang Bang, it's... Yeah, that's a, that's a it's, theatrical. Sound of Music is so talked about, you know? It is so popular. And not a lot of people so. talk about Chi Ching Bang Bang. They don't. It's one of those that's under, underrated. Appreciated, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no, I'm jealous of your next one because I love this movie growing God. up. God, you know, and I say flubber, <laughs> flubber is my next one, but it's not just flubber. It, although we're gonna talk about that most, <laughs> but it's Robin Williams' pictures mm. because during flubber he was a hot ticket in like with Aladdin. And Patch Adams and Popeye and multiple pictures he yeah. was doing during the time. And Robin Williams was a hot ticket. And but no, I remember Flubber God. 
an emotional movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcia Gay Harden and uh, Christopher McDonald and uh, Robin Williams. And just what a goofy movie, but um, really good movie. Really cool really movie, movie about science and mm-hmm. all that kind of, and robots and AI and things. And I was like, it was one of those films that was ahead of its time. Yeah. To an extent. But and it was a remake, too. Like, it was a original see, movie made in like the 60s or 70s. I didn't know, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Robin Williams' pictures were remakes more than we thought. But no, I mean, Flubber was such a fun film. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, decent cast, like Marsha Gay Hart. They're all doing, I mean, May he rest in peace, Robin Williams. Yeah. But past him, like Christopher McDonald and all of them are still doing mm-hmm. things today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's pretty impressive. Um, But yeah, that's one of the Disney kickers back in the day when they were doing a lot of Robin Williams pictures. That was really like, wow. You know? Yeah. A fun, a fun movie for us. Yeah. And I remember going to Toys R Us <laughs> one year and they were selling little gelatinous rubber flubber characters mm-hmm. in a sack yeah and you get them for like i don't know how much it was i remember me and jordan mm-hmm. were with mom and we both each got one mm-hmm. apparently the story i'm about to tell you is fiction but in my mind it was non-fiction <laughs> um but i remember god it must have been in my mind but i remember one time we went to toys R us and we were getting up to the aisle and they were smelling all the flubbers and i Picked one up. I was like, Mom, gotta have it. Okay. So she bought me it, and uh, we go home, and I'm this motherfucker was bouncy. <laughs> it would bounce from floor to ceiling. <laughs> like, it was a cool toy. I was like, damn, this flubber fucking rocks. And I pictured in my head, I guess this, to my mom's memory, did not happen, but. Parents don't always know. Agree to disagree. <laughs> oh, I know, because I correct her on a lot of shit. <laughs> I even did on Thanksgiving. You oh, get to hear that story later. Anyways, <laughs> and so I remember, I swear, I bounced it on a, on a dining room table. Mm-hmm. It jumped up, got on top of a ceiling fan. The ceiling fan came down mm-hmm. and broke oh, oh, on the dining room table. <laughs> Mom came out aghast and just went flummoxed and mm-hmm. just like... <gasps> And got super, super mad. I was locked in my bedroom and all this shit happened. There was debris and all this shit. And I swear, like, not even a year ago, mom's like, I I said to her, like, mom, mm-hmm. remember that time when I had my flubber toy and it got on the ceiling fan and it broke? And like, that never happened. I was like, did it, huh? It's those traumatic childhood memories like that that parents forget. So you agree with me. Like, my grandmother. That must have happened. Like, yeah. why would I? I I could have had wildly dreamed this, but I was like, that seems so specific. It does. Like, to I'm, not be true. <laughs> I'm more willing to give you the benefit of the doubt that it did happen than I am her that it didn't. Because, okay. Because, like, my grandmother <laughs> conveniently doesn't remember, like, locking my, my mother and her brother out of the house for, like, hours at a time during the summer. And, like, it's things like that that, like, like, oh, I don't remember that. Well, how fucking convenient. Okay. It's like, like my parents, like, not nothing like that. But, like, they don't remember having this chicken casserole with Frito's dish every Sunday for, like, two years. 
But like <laughs> at, at least twice a month we would have that. And they're like, oh, we only had it like once or twice. I'm like, bullsh- bull fucking <laughs> We did fucking not. Like my mind might be exaggerating how much we did have it, but they're under-exaggerating how much we had that. Fuck. Well, obviously our minds are younger than theirs though, so we would be a little more keen on what was or was not <laughs> true. But I, oh my goodness. Like I said, there's multiple episodes where it's mm. like, <laughs> it's like, mom, remember that? She's like, no, 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 no. I was like, like, how much are you drinking? Did you this did you drink or erase these memories? <laughs> you know, like, uh-oh. oh god. But that's my little personal flubber story. That's funny. During the time of the movie, but no, I love that movie, and it was such a. It was really when good he puts movie. the flubber stuff on his kicks, and he <laughs> puts it on the base basketball and makes that shot and stuff. <laughs> I love it. Oh, gosh. It's really cool. Anyways, what's next on your list? My last movie is uh, Man in the Iron Mask. Okay. Quite the cast, this movie. Um, I feel like this is another one of those movies that is a little underappreciated. I feel, yeah. Like, it's obviously based on the Alexander Dumas uh, book. But, Who did Three Musketeers. Yes. And it's part of the Three Musketeers. Like, the book is part of the Three Musketeers saga. Exactly. Um, same characters. Directed by Randall Wallace, the guy who fucking did Braveheart. Wrote by Randall Wallace, who did Braveheart. Um, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, Gerard Depardieu, Gabriel Byrne. Um, came out in 98, March of 98. It's... Just Peter Sarsgaard is also in it. <laughs> Odd. Yeah, like that was one of his younger roles, obviously. I've obviously, yeah. But um, it was, and it did very well in the box office. I will give it that. A thirty-five million dollar budget, it did a hundred eighty-three million. So it more than made it. It was seemingly very profitable. Um, fucking love that movie. It's one. It's another one of those movies that like I saw with my parents probably very shortly after it came out. Like I was probably like five or six. God, I remember we had that on DVD. Mm-hmm. I watched it a few times. Yeah, that probably like my the earliest kind of like with C.B. Hall but Johnny Depp, but mm-hmm. like um earliest with Leo DiCaprio. Yeah, and John Malkovich, who I'm huge fans of today. So, but that's. Yeah, because that entire cast is brilliant. The setting, the sets, and the but even as designs, kids, yeah, we like appreciated like, yeah, wow, what a great, well-made movie. It really like, is in general. The the sets, the costumes, the script, everything about it is just flawless, absolutely mm-hmm. flawless. Um, and it's an enjoyable movie. Like it's an enjoyable story. There are differences between the movie and the book, um, but it is it's an enjoyable storyline. It really mm-hmm. is. The plot is very enjoyable. I really, yeah. And what's last on your list? Yeah. Um. God, I wish I remember what year this was actually made. I think it was but, made in '99. Yeah, right. It was early. It was late early '90s type of thing. '99. '99. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Mummy. Uh, oh, with Brendan Fraser and Arnold Vosloo. Before you continue, clearly, when I ask what's next on your list, I know what's next on your list. Fun fact for our audience. We both have our lists. <laughs> we both have each other's <laughs> lists. Yes. Uh, but, we have to, you know, we have to have multiple copies of it. So we each know what we're 
about to say. I just thought that was funny. But no, a <laughs> fantastic movie. Oh my God. God. Another one of those stories I that's been adapted time and time again. Exactly. Each adaption is different. Each adaption is good <laughs> in its own way. Um, but for That even goes with the most recent one. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But for millennials, this one is the classic. It really is a classic. For me, it's the classic. Um... Because I think I didn't get into the later mummies till after this one. Mm-hmm. But growing up, I was a big Brendan Fraser fan. Uh, George of the Jungle and oh. all that good stuff. And uh, But the mummy, Jesus. Um, Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weisz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only time she's a good performance. Like, that's... Her her golden ticket was that movie, <laughs> and uh, the rest of her career is downhill from there. But that that was a fun cast. Aravasi mm-hmm. was a big actor during the time. Yeah. He did a lot of villainy roles back in the late nineties, early twenties, yeah, twenty four and stuff like that. TV, but um, man, God, like the even the cinematography. In the costume mm-hmm. and makeup for this film, very good. Was something else the cast, and just the story was one of my favorites. Yeah, and uh, I loved every bit of it. Even the Mummy Returns was pretty it decent. Was so good, it was better than the well Tomb of the Dragon Emperor or whatever. That sucked. <laughs> that fucking sucked. <laughs> that was a terrible movie. Um, but the first two, yes, Aaron. The first right. two were good. Very good. The Dwayne Johnson's animation was now that terrible. Was, it was good for the time. Don't get me I wrong. I know when but animation was, was trying to get into its. Still though, it was just terrible. Wow, that looked like some PS One <laughs> bullshit. It was. Oh, that looked like some Atari bullshit. Like for from real. the seventies. God damn. For real. <laughs> it was. Even as a kid, I thought the fuck. Yeah. As an adult, I'm like. The fuck? <laughs> so that has not changed. No. Um, the movie's still good, though. But the second one. The second one, yeah. But the first one, granted, we did not have to deal with that. Uh, we just had Arnold Voss's The Mummy, which was fantastic. The effects in that for the time, Brendan Fraser was... Brilliant. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. The plagues and all that kind of stuff. I remember as a kid, too, I had this... I don't know how long it lasted. I had this thing... Or every time I would watch The Mummy, I'd have to have hot Cheetos. Hmm. That's interesting. Buy a bag of hot Cheetos <laughs> and I'd watch The Mummy. Mm-hmm. But only with The Mummy. Hmm. It was a weird thing. That's interesting. It was fun, though. I watch that every year, and I still watch it. Oh, yeah. I have that on Blu-ray, and uh, it's one of my favorites. That's really good. And the only... Ugh, man, I say Brendan Fraser was an underrated actor. No. Oh yeah, and it's sad that he isn't able to really do any, or that he doesn't do anything. Say that anymore. Texas Rising, yeah, a little short thing with mm-hmm. Bill Paxton. He did was one of the few things he did. He's recently. been in some indie movies the last few yeah. years, but that's about it. I wish he'd come back bigger, but that's a millennial pipe dream, isn't it? So. Yeah, of course there's. It's you know it's one of those things that like his was one of those stories that didn't hear a lot about, but he was like he was me too. That's right. And like a lot of people don't realize that. It, it didn't get a lot of coverage. I remember that. But like he, he was part of that. Like one of the studio executives, I forget who it was, but there was one studio executive who made a pass at him. He said, I'm good. 
And that studio executive basically blackballed him from the industry for several years. And Damn. it's it's unfortunate, but that's that's part of why we don't see a lot of him. Yeah. But he still does some indie movies here and there and you know, mm-hmm. it's he, people make comebacks all the time. So you never know. I feel like it's not the end for him. No, I don't think so. He still is persistent mm-hmm. and tries to get back and I think he will at some point. I can say that for many actors. But, but um, like, you know, he probably gets I would hope at least that he gets good residuals from the mummy and some of his other stuff that like he I doesn't so. have to work. I would hope. Maybe not. You never know. Okay, so we've finished our movie list. Um we're gonna go through TV's uh, TV shows a little bit more quickly. We don't we're already over an hour. We don't wanna keep you guys too long. <laughs> But um, we won't go as in-depth into all of these as we have movies. But we'll still talk about them a little bit. Sure. Um, Childhood TV shows. You know, you think we might have included like Spongebob and shit like that. Or Teen Titans. We try to not be as generic. Yeah, we want to be more original. Like the things that really stick with us like today. Yeah. So MASH was one of mine. Um, A lot of millennials probably have never watched it if they've heard of it. Watched it with my parents growing up. It's just one of those shows that stuck. I watch it. I'm, I'm in the middle of watching it right now. Um, I'm yeah, in, I noticed that the last time I was I'm in season eight. Um, really good. You know, made during the 70s and 80s, during the tail end of the war in Vietnam. It's set during the Korean War. Right. So it very much had uh, messages that were very applicable for the time, for the Korean War, for the Vietnam War that they were showing during the Korean War. But... um. You know, and it's messages that we can still learn from today. Very oh, much so. absolutely. Um, comedy. It's a comedy comedic show, I guess. Um, it is the it's, last few it's seasons. It's like a political fun black comedy. Yeah, show. the last few seasons were not as much comedy. We'll say more dramatic. They yeah, very much more dramatic. Um, borderlining on not coming comedic at all. Um, but still very good. I hate very, very shows good. when they do that shit though. They had to change up in writers and showrunners and it changed. And it, it I thought I think it worked out well. It worked out fine. Um but no, just very classic show, ran for twelve eleven seasons, I think. Um for many years, I don't know if it still is, but for many years it was one of the most it was the most watched series finale in television history for a long, long time, if it's not anymore. Um, but yeah, what's, uh, what's your first TV show? Um, 24. Shocker. I know. Big old, big old shocker. <laughs> um, God, I remember during, I think it was middle school, Edward pitched the movie, act- the show to my mom and it was during its fourth or fifth season or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she got intrigued, and I was like, what's the show you're talking about? And then we all three started watching it. Hmm. I think it was like during season four or five. Do you remember uh, Pastor Tommy talking about it? No. He loved 24, and I remember a few sermons specifically. Really? He mentioned 24, and like he even showed a couple of clips, and he had a sermon series that was... Well, geez, like I don't remember 24. that. Yeah, like it... I remember his Star Wars stuff. Yeah, no, but... he was a huge 24 fan, actually. Okay. Did not recall that, <laughs> but 
And I remember watching that with the, the three of us, and then I guess Edward kind of dwindled away out of it. And then Mom and I stuck to that show, and we've watched it. And now every single end. movie we watch, there's someone in it who, oh, he was in 24. You know, it's funny <laughs> how many actors have been in it. And, and a lot of whom were no names at the time. Some of them were big names. Exactly. But a lot of them now were they're no making names. more of a name, and it's like, oh, he was in 24. And <laughs> it's like me and friends. I right? have to say that. To, <laughs> exactly. I have to keep reminding Aaron of that shit. It's like, hey, by the way, you hate to hear this, but 24. <laughs> and yeah, and or friends or something like that. And That's funny. But um, I love 24. I watched it to the end. I even watched their bonus ninth season and stuff like that. Until Kiefer Sutherland. I didn't watch that crap legacy bullshit they did. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to call it bullshit. Fuck that shit. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, Twenty Four was one of my all-time favorite things. Oh goddamn! I mean, twenty-four episodes, one hour each. Ah, such an intense show. God. But anywho, hmm. that's all random about that. So my next show, you know, a lot of people uh, know and like the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. from the sixties. Um, I like the Twilight Zone. It's got a remake series now or a reboot series now. I didn't watch the second season. I didn't either. But the first season was good. But I like the original Twilight Zone. It was fine. It was good. Some really good episodes. Really, really good episodes. Um, But Rod Serling was the showrunner, of course. Mm. He was the narrator and the host. Um, he had another show in the seventies called Night Gallery that went for three seasons. I heard of that. Very similar. Um, it was, you know, trippy, oh, what a twist type episodic thing. Yeah. It was an hour long. So it usually had two, if not sometimes three different, uh, storylines. Like it would be, you know, like the curse of the mummy and then like the bride of Frankenstein and then Frankenstein or something like that. You know, three stories separately that were not related to each other. That were all some sort of twisted or something like that. And it honestly was a million times better than Twilight Zone. It hmm. really was. It was a lot of times it was more horror based, but it still had there were still very much parts of well, it that horror were horror based is already better. Yeah, and Twilight Zone had like a message to it. You know, sometimes it was political, religious, whatever. Like the new ones messages. even, yeah. And like Night Gallery had that as well, to a certain degree. Not as blatant as it was in Twilight Zone. Um, and like it, it wasn't on for as long, but Night Gallery really, I I think, was ten times better than Twilight Zone was. And I would recommend it for anybody. I have I have the DVDs, if that's something you ever wanted to watch. Because it, it yeah. really is good. Rod I Serling, remember when I was like, oh, I heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Rod Serling uh, was the host and narrator, just like in... Uh, twilight zone he wasn't like in the story like he was in twilight zone it was like he was a museum curator Mm -hmm. and you would start each story by looking at a painting very interesting um unique for sure that's something that i wish they would bring back in some way or form that's pretty cool though yeah i don't think a lot of people heard of night gallery it definitely wasn't as popular um but it, it really should be because it's so good that's cool though. But what else you got? Um, 
from my childhood memories, I'm trying to think about like a what was it? Uh, Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. Oh, that's a good one. You know, I was gonna say Scooby Doo, but that's kind of overplayed with a lot of people. Courage the Cowardly uh, Dog. But Courage the Cowardly Dog, I remember loving that show mm-hmm. as a kid, and uh, it was so. It was like that isolated country western type Mm -hmm. just you know the grandma and the grandpa with the dog yeah and uh stupid dog and just shit would happen you know random shit would happen in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and it was so interesting (laughs) like it was so fun if it was aliens or ghosts or Whatever the fuck it was. Mm-hmm. That show was just spooky and stupid. And yeah. Courage was just a cowardly dog. Dealing with all this bullshit. It was such a strange show. But I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved that. that I don't can't, I can't tell you who the creators were and all that. But they pushed the boundaries for children on being like kind of like twisted. Mm-hmm. And more creative with ideas with thinking and plot and storyline like you have something like scooby-doo which was whatever mm-hmm. but then like something like courage of Cowardly dog was like something out of a maniac's mind mm-hmm. like this was something like who would think of this show sort of like ed ed and eddie but um like cartoon network in general did such insane cartoon stuff that was okay for kids mm-hmm and also, it was crazy for me. Even as yeah. a kid, I was thinking, I'm a kid right now. I love this show. Mm-hmm. But this show is fucked up. <laughs> and it's like, what? You know, like, mm-hmm. what the fuck are you? <laughs> like, you know, your parents are asleep and you're up late at night mm-hmm. watching this show. And you're like, what the hell is this I'm watching? Not Futurama and all that kind of stuff. Not mm-hmm. Adult Swim, but like, just... Ed, Ed and Eddie and Cartoon Network and I was like Curse of Cali Dog I'm like whoa this <laughs> yeah. is something else but they always man I just loved the extremities and the theatrics of the obscenity mm-hmm. of the show and it was like I don't know that's what I think engaged a lot of uh, us as kids it's like each episode was something completely so what the fuck yeah and I I respect that about the show, and I love the show, and uh, I think a lot of our age group and stuff, re- you know. Oh yeah. Remember and admire Kirk Kelly Dog because it's like, wow, that was a real staple to our childhood. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how many people think about that, but I was like, yeah. If you think about, I, I mean, SpongeBob SpongeBob SquarePants is another one. Yeah. Not to that level. But this show was like up there with <laughs> oddities that I'm just like befuddled with. Yeah. And so big fan of that show. And I think that has a lot to do with my just weirdness um, as far as thought process and things. And it's like, ah, but I love it because it's talented and it's mm-hmm. enduring and loving and it's good stuff. Yeah. Good show. But anyways, I get touch you with these things um what's next on your list Aaron? uh boston legal mm. that is one of those shows that i one of the many shows that i watched with my grandparents growing up 
um, was on from 2003 to 2008, I believe. Okay. Um, very much a, it was always on the bubble. Season one, season okay. two, it was really good. It was always on the renewal bubble from season three to four and five. Um, it was on ABC. It was a spinoff of a show called The Practice. Okay. But um, it was really popular with the 55 plus TV demographic and not as popular with the under 55 demographic. Um, it was very much a political show. Like it was about, it's about a law firm in Boston. Um, okay. It was very much a political statement show created by David E. Kelly. He has several shows. He has had several successful TV shows. Um, it has uh, has one or two on right now that are successful. Okay. Um, it was a political statement show. I thought so. And it, but it was very good. William like, Shatner. William Shatner, James Spader, Betty White was in the last two seasons. Um, Candace Bergen, John Larroquette. Quite a cast. Renee Arbor, Arbor, whatever, whatever. Okay. You know him. Okay. The priest in the... He's that guy that we can't ever... Obviously, can't pronounce his last name. Um, Had a killer cast. Absolutely killer cast. Um, And it was good. It really, really was good. It was funny. It was emotional. It was dramatic. It, the, How the, many seasons did it have? Five. Okay, not bad. Um... Yeah, I really did like it. I have it on DVD. Oh, I like that guy. Yeah, see? Um, I really did like it. I have it on DVD. I watched it a Aaron, few years ago. do you know what's leaving Netflix in December or 2021? What? <gasps> the show we didn't watch. The Wilds. The, the, the West Wing. Oh, I'm sure it's going to Son HBO or bitch. something like I that. I hope. I wanted to watch that. I'm sure it'll be going there. You know Sometimes we'll have to, I have, you know to we'll have to binge. Cut this. Since Why? You're talking about December. We're not posting this till after December. <laughs> right. So, anyway, Boston Legal. A lot of millennials haven't seen it. It probably wouldn't be a lot of millennials' cup of tea. I would still recommend anyone watch it. True, because it, it was it was good. It was fine. Yeah, but what uh, what's next for you? Um, okay, I put Disney Channel here. Um, man, during on Disney Channel growing up, there was so many shows for me, <laughs> like Phil of the Future, and. Uh, that's a Raven and Lizzie McGuire, Hannah Montana, you name it. Um, I watched a plethora of things that simultaneously, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid. Um, that after school I would go to watch, and so, and that's back when Disney Channel would have like, you know, they had their hour slots of things yeah. to do. And so you would fill in uh, Hannah Montana, Elizabeth McGuire, and fill the future and things like that. And uh, that's the Raven, yeah. Those are the four shows right there that uh, I grew up with a lot of that mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, 
But like, I guess, I mean, would you say a TV movie is the same as a TV show in a way or no? Mm-hmm. No, I guess not. It's kind of its own thing. It's, it's either, it's like, yeah, I know, right? It's like. It's not a TV show, but it's. Not a. It's not a traditional movie. Like it is a traditional movie, I guess, but it's not really a traditional movie. It's, it's kind of different today. There's a reason why it has its own category of like the Emmys and stuff like that. Right. So I'm going to go into those things. But, um. But no, um. I just remember as a kid, like Disney Channel was a big mm-hmm. part. Of, oh, uh, Sister Sisters. Mm. And uh, I watched all of those shows as a kid. Yeah. And I really enjoyed. I and can't you, pick just one, yeah. honestly, out of Disney Channel. And you could honestly say the same thing about Nickelodeon. I mean, it was more than just Which, SpongeBob. You could say the same thing you're saying yeah. right now about Disney Channel, about Nickelodeon. Because it was more than just SpongeBob. It was... For millennials, you had Zoe 101, you had iCarly. I know. Had some even before that, some TV shows. Um, and it really, those those two channels were staples for us. And they're still staples for kids today, just with very different shows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. Well, my next one is one of those old British comedies. Okay. Um, you know, we... Me and you have seen, you know, Faulty Towers and some old shows like yeah. that. Um, this is along those lines. It was in the 70s and 80s, I believe. Are You Being Served? Okay. It's about um, two crews in the men's and women's departments in a department store in London. Mm. Um, and their wild antics. <laughs> it's very funny to watch. Like, it's very funny to watch. Like, funny, funny. But, like, it's funny, like, ironic funny. Because, like, it was of a very different... England and Britain than what we're used to. Right. Okay. You know, now we're used to, oh, England is, or the UK is this place where gay marriage is legal, has largely been legal for a long time. Um, Or not maybe a long time, but it's been accepted and normal over there for a pretty long time, I think. Um, And more open-minded traditionally in a lot of ways and Americans are it's probably like a lot of England some projects you know they have they've had socialized health care for a long time yeah. and the England portrayed in Are You Being Served is very different one of the characters is very clearly gay but when this TV show was on being gay was a crime in England right. sodomy laws were still intact in England mm-hmm. and it's it's just interesting like that's a very peculiar aspect of the show that like there are definitely a good number of episodes in there the the plot would be completely irrelevant today because yeah. it revolved around this one character. You know, he's very blatantly gay. He didn't hide it at all unless there was a cop that came around for whatever reason. But, you know, it, it, just a very different time. Yeah. You know, and like that's something that like you never could have had an openly gay character on the air in the U.S. when this show was on. You just couldn't have. I mean, uh, yeah. Soap in the 80s, late 70s, maybe early 80s, Billy Crystal was one of the first gay characters on a TV show in US in the US. And that was a big enough ordeal as it was, much less this show years earlier. Yeah. But. That's insane. It's really good. I'd, uh, I'd recommend, if you can find it, 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 it admittedly is kind of hard to find. 
I have the box set of the whole series, but we had originally started watching it. It was on PBS for a little bit, but um, after they stopped showing the British comedies, we were actually able to rent it from the local library. Okay. Growing up, the DVDs. Right. Right. So we only have a couple more. What's uh, what's next for you? Um, kind of like with the Disney Channel. My next is a plethora of ABC shows that uh, I grew up with simultaneously. That um, you know, sort of like with Disney Channel, like going after school or before going to school, you know, you pop up an episode, and that was Full House, uh, Family Matters, and Step by Step. And like I know, Full House and Family Matters at least. Are step in the same universe. Step, day by day. Oh, I don't know if Step by Step is part of the universe. I don't know. I don't think they were. I didn't. But like, I know for sure. That I didn't know Full they House were. And yeah, because see, Frickle made a cameo in mm-hmm. Full House or something like that. Yeah, like the families. Oh, collided. yeah. Okay. So like they were. It's. I, I just thought it was funny that you put those. They were all part of the ABC's TGIF oh. lineup. But like they, those two shows just so happen to be connected, like storyline wise, plot wise. Just that's interesting. No, I just I remember you know Full House would play on first thing, and then I watched that, and then you got Family Matters, and then Step by Step. That may not be in chronological order, but something like that. Something like that. <laughs> and uh, I remember having my like during the summertime, I'd have my ABC binge, mm-hmm. and every day it seems it's like. <laughs> I had full, I have new Full House yeah. and new each of those episodes, and it was fun. I always watched um, for most of my childhood. Usually, every day at like it came on at three and three thirty on. It used to be something different than I think it's ABC Family Channel now. Yeah, it was Channel Fifty Three on Charter, I think. Um, but yeah, I used to watch that every day. Right, exactly, and it. It really is one of those things that, like, that's. It ended mid. It was on from the mid '80s to the mid '90s, mm-hmm. and it ended, I think, before we were born or right after we were born. Mm. But like, still, it was a staple for us. Like, that's mm-hmm. the Tanner family and all them. That was, yeah, very much, um, very much a staple for millennials. And then you know you have the reboot and Fuller House and. All that today. All that now, but I have my own opinions on the Fuller House reboot, but we won't go into that. But <sighs> Full House by itself was really good show. Yeah, really good. absolutely. Yeah, Very diverse test. show in terms of comedy, drama, emotions, mm-hmm. things like that. Absolutely. That was my favorite of those three. Yeah. Uh, I never watched Family Matters or Step... I don't know if I've ever seen Step by Step. That's a fun one, too. I I never watched Family Matters. They were all the same show. Pretty much, yeah. This is a family with their own ordeal. Yeah. And their own quirky characters. I mean, that's what ABC thrived on. Yeah. It's kind of like Disney Channel did their same... It was practically... Yeah. Just with a different scenario. Hannah Montana versus... Lizzie the next show. And this and this. Yeah, that's all the same. And Nickelodeon too, you know. Zoe 101 to iCarly to Sam and Cat. It's all the same. They thing. knew their recipe and they knew their yeah. method. And they were smart because we watched it all. <laughs> Absolutely. So, but uh yeah. So just a good good stuff. So my last show here 
is another older show, Shocker. That's what most of mine is. Um, Gilligan's Island in the 60s. Yeah. Love Gilligan's Island. Love it, love it, love it. I have the box set. Do you? I do. <laughs> I do, I do. I know you're shocked at that. I'm so I'm surprised. But um, love Gilligan's Island. Watched, watched several, there were several follow-up. It was only on for three seasons. Um, watched several of the follow-up movies. They were all right. But um, this was the show I was talking about. So Marianne on Gilligan's Island. Mm -hmm. You had, what, there were six people on the island or in the show? Um, Three of them essentially were nobodies and three of them were pretty well-known. They were Mm -hmm. character actors. uh, Pretty well-known character actors from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, But Marianne, the girl who played Marianne, was essentially a nobody at the time. Hadn't really done much acting-wise. Um, but she got an idea from her agent. I think it was also her husband. I don't know that for a fact. Um, but she got an idea to ask for a higher percentage of residuals or royalties from future. Yeah. And none of the other cast members did. And come to find out, Gilligan's Island would be one of the most syndicated TV shows of all time. Mm-hmm. And so she made, over the course of her lifetime, and I don't know if she's still alive. She was one of the last ones alive, if she's not still alive. Okay. Um, Dawn Wells is her name. Okay. Um, She made more off of that, off of that, the percentage of royalties, than almost, than all the other cast members did, almost combined. From what Oh, wow. Um, and that's why. She was just smart enough to ask for those higher residuals, because no one thought the show was going to take off like it did. Yeah. That's part of the gamble of things that you gotta take. Yeah. When things like that happen, you know. Do you think this show's gonna be successful? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Even if I if even if I if I were in Hollywood, even if I didn't think it was gonna be successful, I would always try to get Exactly royal, or a higher percentage or the royalties because you never know. Just because it's not even successful while it's on doesn't mean it's not going to be successful later. later. Exactly. Because like even Star Trek, the original series, it was only on for three seasons. Yeah. And, I mean, look, you know, it's been on syndication for ever since, honestly. Yeah. Gilligan's Island, the same way. There are any number of shows that are the same way. Twilight Zone. Yeah. So, you never know. You never know. But that is the end of my list. How about you wrap <laughs> us up? Uh, I'm going to wrap up my list with uh, Boy Meets World. Mm. What's his name? Not Fred Savage. It's uh, Ben Savage? Something like Something that? like that. Uh, one of the savages, yeah. Um, Ben Savage, yeah. Will Friedle, Danielle Fischel. Okay. Besides those, she was the main. Ethan Supley was in that. Hmm. Um. Oh, she played Topanga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But no, I grew up with Boy Meets World. I loved Boy Meets World. It was kind of an awkward show because. They were in middle school, and I was like in elementary school. Yeah, yeah, because it ended in two thousand. And then they go to like, we high school, and I'm like school, in middle yeah. school. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't understand a lot of it, mm-hmm. but it was still such a good show because I carried on with these characters. Yeah, for so long, Topanga and all of them, and ah, uh, ah, uh, Finny, Finny, 
Prince of Athene. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. He might still be alive today. I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, is he dead? Shit. Uh, William Daniels. Yeah. He is, holy shit, he is alive. He is 93. Yeah. Damn. He's still kicking, right? Okay. Shit. Yeah, no, it's such a crazy, uh, yeah, but, uh, damn, what a good show. Uh, it was a fun show. Definitely changed, you know, sets. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When you were, like, in the childhood scene, and then they grow up, and they go to school, and they get adults mm-hmm. up to his marriage, and it's like, oh, this new character's new, all that kind of stuff. That's yeah. one show I mean to go back and watch because it's like, damn, that's nostalgic as fuck. But, um... So, I never actually watched a whole lot of Boy Meets World. Damn. The most I watched it was we would, a lot when I was growing up, especially when I was like under 10, we would watch Home Improvement almost every night. Oh, I loved Home Improvement. My parents loved that show. And it was a good show. Yeah, it was um, a good show. But Boy Meets World, in, when, in reruns at least... Okay. Came on right before Home Improvement. Yeah. So we would watch the last like 10, 15 minutes of Boy Meets World and then wait while we were waiting for Home Improvement to come on. Uh huh. So that's the most I ever saw of <laughs> Boy Meets World. That, that was just never a show that I never really got that into. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. I got into that one. That's a good one. Did you watch uh, Girl Meets World? No, Aaron. You never know. I don't have time. I mean, I contemplated that mm-hmm. until it's like, who, yeah. who? No. Yeah, I mean, what well, we gave Fuller House? What one season? Yeah, I watched the first season of Fuller House, and then like I attempted two, the three second. episodes of the second. Yeah, and then I watched the last episode. They all get married. Spoiler alert! They, Ooh. All, they all get married. Lori Laughlin wasn't in it because she's a horrible person, apparently. But well, that's a whole other. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I she legitimately saying. wasn't in the last season because of all that. All of the. Tra- I know. So she was in court and they kind of fired her, but didn't fire her or whatever. Which that already kind of ruins it for me. And it was kind of awkward. Like, honestly, the last episode was very awkward because, like, literally everyone was there. But Lord Lovelace. Everyone from the so Fuller House they, series they write and it? from the original series was there. Like, even like Stephanie's the- smoker friend. From like the original show was there. Was the twins in it? The Olsen twins? Yeah. No, 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 no. Okay, the Olsen twins. No, the Olsen twins were never in it. I know, right? The the boy kid, the boy twins. Okay. Or yeah, the boy, he was on. No, they were Nikki and Alex. They were twins. They were in it. Literally, everyone from both shows was in it except her. It was very, very awkward. Because like they go out of their way not to mention. Very odd. They didn't even excuse her? Like, no. Didn't mention her at all. Stupid. Yeah. Very. I thought very poorly. And like, she was one of the most best characters of the show mm-hmm. back in the day. Like, Yeah. A full house. Regardless yeah, was, what the person. I, I don't give a shit. But like. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know. Like. Yeah. Shit. It was always. I'm, but that's my problem. Like. The first season was like a nostalgic thing. Mm-hmm. Bringing back Bob Saget, John Stamos, and all that. That's fun. Yeah. But they weren't the prime things about the show. No. And like the and others weren't really strong enough, in my opinion, to, to lead the show it. like they needed to. Exactly. But it. And know. then because of things like that, and it's like you can't even hold the weight 
he had the whole thing without the Olsen twins. Can't even keep Roy and like Laughlin that's the Olsen like, twins that like that's a very specific like they. I know they have issues with their time on Full House and things like that, and like whether it's we have no basis to say whether it's true or not. We have to take them at their word. But yeah. so like if 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 their opinion is true and that's how they feel, like I I can respect the fact they didn't want to be involved with this show. Yeah. But it's still, from a fan's point of view, it's very unfortunate right. that they weren't. Because Michelle was, like... I know. She, for a lot of it, was the center of the show. Yeah. Frankly. And Having that cute little baby involved was, like, yeah. our go-to. It's like any time you have any sort of real family get-together, there's a baby, it's like, okay. Yeah. But, yeah, Michelle was a cute little thing. But, um, but. you know... Well, that is a little peek into our childhood. Yeah. And some of what made us the cinephiles and TV addicts we are mm. today. So we so, would love, you know, comment on, send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Yes. Comment, whatever. Let us know what some of your favorite shows were when you were a kid. We'd love to see. Absolutely. What might have been the same as us? What might have been different? So, definitely make sure to check us out. Uh, Instagram, at Millennials with Max Podcast. Twitter, 1990s Babies. And Millennials with Max on YouTube. Any parting words for our dear audience? Hope you enjoyed our episode. Uh, stay tuned for our next ventures. So. See you next time. Have a good one.